0: Hello, I'm Dr. Felicia Mebbin, Executive Director of the Center for Public Health Initiatives at Norfolk State University, and this is Health Healing in Hampton Roads. Yes, one of the hits of WNSB, just for the record. So today we are going to talk about factors that influence your health as an individual that are not about you as an individual. So one of the terms that's floating around a lot are social determinants of health, And I want to dig into that. And so I am here with one of our experts at Norfolk State University, on the environment, on policies, on programs that affect health, health of individuals and communities, Dr. Sharon Austin. Hi, Dr. Austin. Good morning,
1: good morning, and thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you're quite welcome. This is very exciting. So before we get into the work that you do and your contribution and ideas and everything, tell us a little bit about yourself and your training.
1: So I am professionally trained, educated in social work. Um, but before then I grew up in New York City and so I'm trained in, in community, living in communities. Um, New York City is, has five boroughs. I was born and raised in Long Island City, Queens. I'm a proud community member of Queensbridge Housing Development where I got my informal training on life. And then I attended George Mason University for my undergraduate degree and Howard University for my uh, master's and my PhD in social work. And from then, I worked with um, child welfare and mental health, homeless services, and eventually I decided that I wanted to go into academia. And I found myself working at you know, George Mason, and now I'm here at the Norfolk State University.
0: Nice. And if you hear any hesitation, we have, you know, it's live, so we just have to get ourselves together sometimes. Okay, good. <laughs> so. Tell us a little bit more about social work because we hear these terms sometimes and don't really know. I mean, you've already talked about child
1: services, but I mean what is that is what does that mean as a field? Field. So social work is a profession and we seek to relieve human suffering okay. and improve conditions of society. Wow, that's okay. Little little bitty task there, huh? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um but so it's broken down. We're guided by a set of core values, and one of our core values are service. Um, the dignity and worth of individuals, and um, competence, and social justice. And so social justice for me really fuels the work that I do. Mm, Um, I I look at um, the conditions of societies and see where people are marginalized or oppressed, and that's my area of focus. And so hence why I do a lot of work in public housing. One, I'm a native of public housing, and with um, adolescents, and particularly those of African American.
0: Nice. So it's very interesting because I think sometimes, you know, the the title of the show says health and healing, and then we say social work. But part of the point there is that people can be trained in different areas and disciplines that are focusing on the same thing. There's a lot of
1: intersection between a focus on social work and a focus on health or public health. Absolutely. So I, I like to brag on my profession because social work encompasses many things. So we specialize in mental health. Um, Gerontology, um, health care, uh, criminal justice, and there's a wealth or a plethora of, of areas that we can work in and social settings. So we also won't, don't just take kids away from their children. You, thank I mean, you. There you go. So people, <laughs> that's the assumption, that we give out food stamps and we take children away. But okay. we do a host of uh, many things. And essentially, we put people's lives back together. And in addition to putting people's lives back together, we affirm the conditions of people's lives that are already um, excelling. Right, right. Right. And so when you say conditions, we're talking
0: about the vital conditions that help people thrive or not. So we're talking about access to education, access to income, access to a healthy environment. I mean, that's what going back to the setup there, those are the sort of social determinants of,
1: you know, how healthy we are, again, as individuals and also as groups. Right. So I'm glad you mentioned when we talk about social determinants of health, because those are things that ideally individuals don't typically have control over. They can have motivation to excel and to achieve, but the conditions of society impacts whether or not they can successfully do that. And so when we're talking about isolation, um, concentrated poverty, we're talking about substandard living conditions, um, high rent, uh, limited income, mm-hmm. or low low-paying jobs, um, transportation—all of those ge- things can impact whether a person will have the ability to succeed right. in life. And you can have the best of
0: intentions, but if there's Absolutely. not a bus stop in your community right. and you don't have a car, you know that's going to influence your access to resources Absolutely. and and your motivations and things. And so, here at Norfolk State, what do you do?
1: Oh, I teach in in social work, I'm a research professor. Um, I also have taught human behavior in a social environment, um, groups, group works. But my love is actually social science research. And my research agenda is on adolescents in public housing and public housing policy.
0: Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk about social determinants is because I know you do work in other countries. And one of the trends in health and public health and people who study it in social work is the concept that we're global, right? So when you do work in other conditions and in, in areas that have, have other sort of indicators right so if you're in another country and they have different policies and they have different level of income or so you know per capita income you can learn lessons or Mm -hmm. you can also help you know you can bring lessons from your circumstance so when we have um, faculty and staff who do work in other parts of the country and do work in other other parts of the country and other countries um, there's a sort of a uh, there's traffic in both directions for mm-hmm. Hampton Roads, right? And so I want to want you to talk about that with some of the work that you do outside of Hampton Roads that can influence what happens here.
1: So one of the things I I, I, I thought about the word reciprocal. So when mm. I go to a different country, you know, I bring my own skills and expertise and knowledge that I've learned and gained from here in the states, but I'm also have the opportunity and the privilege to learn from the local residents there and so why I'm understanding the challenges that they may experience it also helps me to understand how privileged we are back here in the States so uh, some of the other things that I, I, I've learned is this this, this uh, sense of community and how community plays out differently globally mm-hmm. and so they are there in Jamaica where I just recently returned there's a community called the Lethe village um, It comprises of about five small little communities, and collectively they are educating themselves. They uh, run own businesses up in the village where they reside, and that is because the transportation or the roads that gets to the local community are so challenging, and there's limited access and limited access to transportation that they can't go up and down. So as a community, they thrive and excel and teach each other and teach the children, which I find to be um, something that I can benefit from and bring back to the States, that we need to be more communi- community focused and um, authentic in the way that we do work here. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So how, did, how are you connected to Jamaica? How did that happen? As it would have it, I, me and my, my family, we went on a family trip. And we were sitting in this luxury home being waited on, and we went out into community. And we traveled down a rafting tour where it was up in the hills, and it was this raft made of bamboo sticks. And as my social work intuition would kick in, I began to just ask questions about the Native living and what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then I've learned about... The schools that were present there so there's an eden basic school which is what equivalent to a preschool here and then there are primary schools which is equivalent to an elementary school and they begin the elders begin to tell me about how the average child will drop out of school at 12 years old um l- girls become teen moms mm-hmm. and the m- boys work the river that's the raft in mm-hmm. um and so then I visited a couple of schools, and I noticed how the simple things that we take so granted and, and for granted, like play- playgrounds, that these schools had no access for or places where children can play. Mm-hmm. Um, we have computers. We have uh, whiteboards and all of these blackboards and all kinds of resources, and they are still operating from um, chalk and, and blackboards. And I just realized how privileged that we were. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I was gonna do part of my service as social work and and commit to providing some resources. So since then, we've sent school supplies, we've bored beds, we've um, tiled the floor. And this this past week, I was there, I returned. We had a pre-Christmas celebration and we sponsored um, toys for the kids. And this is 100% Um, funded by my friends and family members, and they're probably tired of me calling them and asking (laughs) them for money, but I will continue to call. There you go. (laughs) And it's just amazing, and it's exciting. Um, um, When I talk about it, I feel that I'm I'm doing my part as a social worker, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'm doing my part as a human being. Yeah, so you're walking the talk, basically, right? And so, and I, I, I said, you know, we talk about all these other issues about what health is, you know, I say happiness should be a health concern, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's well-being, that's Mm -hmm.
0: a good point, because I think sometimes when people study health and they wanna, we always talk about addressing the issues, Right. right? So we talk about health disparities, which is the gap in outcomes between black and brown communities or communities that don't have as many resources compared to some standard, right? Rather than flipping it around and saying what we really should be doing is pursuing equity, yes. we should be pursuing the positive outcomes yes. and taking advantage of what you're saying. Right. What are the things that work in our communities already? And then, and listening to the community, mm-hmm. right? Because one of the great things that you're saying, so to close that thought, what are the things that work, and then how can we? elevate that and expand on that and enhance that, Mm -hmm. you know, to get to the equity part, to ensure that everybody has access to the best Mm -hmm. possible care and is able to be happy and healthy, you know, in their communities.
1: Yeah. So even when you think, uh, uh, like, I take it very personal because I just put myself in that situation. Like, what are the things that I would need to thrive? What Mm -hmm. were the things that I would need to make me happy? And... The, some of those are just basic things. And I say to myself and to others, this is kind of like my little slogan is like, my worst day is better than somebody's best day. Mm. And, and and if I can do things, a little things, like we're, we're providing notebooks and mm-hmm, pencils, mm-hmm. and that is changing children's lives. Mm-hmm. We're providing toys, a doll, and that is putting a smile on children's face.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and you're uh, working with the community, right? You're working absolutely. with
0: the teachers. You know, it's not just, oh, this I think would be pretty. It's because these are the things that they say they want,
1: too, right? So those are the, yeah. Yeah. They have a long list of things that they want. And Mm -hmm. those are the things Mm -hmm. that I'm able to accomplish thus far. Right. But my, and I'm glad you, you asked that because I'm working with the principal of the elementary school. I'm working with the principal of the basic school. And what I would hope to do is to connect some of our faculty members here at NSU to do some, just some basic in service just some conversations about mm-hmm. how what techniques and strategies that we can use to help you know increase uh, positive pedagogy for, for the children mm-hmm. um working with the nursing department what are some basic things that we can talk to we can we can create and develop that can be ha- that can take place via a Zoom call, mm-hmm. you know, just an exchange of information, an exchange of ideas, that things that are working and successful here in the States, and how can they be successful there in Jamaica or in other countries? You know, my other plan, I'm planning to go to... Um, metro london mm-hmm. if it goes well to study health and housing there like the same things that we're seeing here in the states about gentrification or urban redevelopment are happening across the world right and That's we can right. learn from each other if we just cross the borders exactly. and have and have conversations these authentic conversations and transparent conversations about what is working um and um Again, this this reciprocity of this reciprocal relationship, like we can bring the ideas that we are we that have been effective here in the states um, to other countries and learn from other countries. And one of the things that I'm learning from other countries, are just kindness, like th- that alone and authentic care. That alone is something that goes along a, long, a, a, long, a long very way. long way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's sort of a reminder. I think we, um, you know. <laughs> We have a healthcare industry here, and I'm not saying that in a negative way, but the services are provided by organizations who charge us money, right, Mm -hmm. as they should, because professionals deserve, you know, to be paid for their, um, for the use of their skills. But I think sometimes it does pull us away from those more organic or natural ways that communities for hundreds and thousands of years Mm -hmm. have been doing, you know, to their own benefit. So I think sometimes, being away kind of reminds you, because other people do it different ways, mm-hmm. and so it reminds you of, again, those best practices that were happening in our communities already, right, more yeah. organically. So for example, there's the, a trend in other countries more of having you know, different generations living in the same household. And I think in the United States, we've kind of gotten away from that mm-hmm. in a lot of communities. But there's a lot of value to that. Yeah. And sometimes when you go overseas or you go to another country, you're reminded of that. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, there's grandma and then and there's the little baby. And grandma takes care of the baby. And that helps alleviate mm-hmm. some of the need for, for resources to go out of the household to pay for babysitting, for example. Right. Yeah. yeah. So.
1: But also that that um, the way that they transfer cultural oh. and traditions and mm-hmm. from generation to generation and uh, w- also what I uh, in addition to what you just described is just also this this level of respect mm-hmm. and um, care that they they demonstrate to each other um, for their s- uh, elders and for the, and for the children and the sense of community is so rich in in Jamaica that you know I, I, I can say, that I identify it because although I'm com- I come from a very large family, I'm the youngest of twelve children. Oh, and okay, wow. So <laughs> my mom is 93 years old, and wow. we um hi a- mom, ra- right? Yay, that's amazing. <laughs> we rally around her mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. and so we, we, you know, we protect the children. Uh, we believe that. The goal of the child is to become educated. Mm-hmm. So we try to prevent any obstacles and, and alleviate any challenges that they may have so they can focus on becoming educated. And and then, you know, my older my my mom's siblings and my parent my dad's siblings, you know, we honor them and look after them as right. we as we should. <laughs> and I think that's we don't see that much here in the states yeah. anymore i say that with a smile because but i really mean it uh, right, and i think right. if we get we can learn again from those basic things about honoring and respecting each other right and even respecting children so you know i think one of my colleagues did something about the adultification of of, of girls mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's really um uh, especially it, black girls right, right? and so Part of it, I, I, I pull back a little bit because it's like, who's responsible for that? Although some, they believe, you know, the assumption is that the world, right, or society mm-hmm. um, does this. But then there's also some assumption about their, their parents that do that. But you made something, a point, is that sometimes these skills are required and necessary, right? So if, if somebody is putting the rice on the pot, That means mom can do something else, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, and everybody mm -hmm. can have the things that they need to have. Like Mm -hmm. everybody is supporting it and and helping each other Mm -hmm, thrive, mm -hmm. helping the family thrive. And that's that's survival for some families. and So some people are quick to judge that Mm -hmm. as if they're not um, providing care of the kids, Yeah. Right. You know, And, and what you're saying is the adultification part is sometimes,
0: you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 whatever the age would be they have to work for example Mm -hmm. right because in order to contribute to the household and then the argument is that's not allowing them to be kids right and so therefore they're becoming adults much faster Mm -hmm. right and i also want to say too is again i love that your research are doing all of these things because when we say, oh, this is not happening here, I mean, that that's a general view. There's some research to support that, but we know there are amazing families here, right? Absolutely. In Hampton Roads, for example, that are taking care of each other and doing some of these wonderful you know, things to mm-hmm. transfer culture and, and all of that. So talk about that a little bit. We sort of started out with the idea that You know we go other places to help people in other places but then there's always the well why don't you help people here so how how does that connect back more specifically with the projects that you're working on here
1: so i have several um community service projects for so i originally from new york city and every year we do a camping trip called it the world is yours series and we take about 100 125 children um, from the community into a camping site for the last seven years, we've taken to the King's Dominion camping site where they spend three nights and four days and they enjoy just being children. So um, to be clear, you're bringing the students from New York to King's Dominion? We're bringing them from New York okay. City to King's Dominion, free of charge. Uh, they, they pay nothing um, and it serves two purposes. One, some of the children have never left the community. Mm, mm-hmm. Secondly, their families have never had a vacation, right. maybe three. Third thing parents don't get any respite
0: right so right. we
1: they, they can be sure that for these th- um, four nights five days however many say long we take them that the children are going to be safe and socializing on a safe social level but this year i'm really proud to say that we were able to take 30 kids from the hampton roads area right here in, in norfolk and they were able to um meet some of the children from new york city and they had a wonderful time i adopted 18 little kids now. Yeah. They now call me Auntie Sharon. Right. But the other thing that my research does is looks at the assets and positive things. Because we know what poverty does. We right. know what concentration of poverty. We know what living in public housing can do. All of those things. But there are far more families that are, are, th- are thriving and are excelling. And so my focus is what is unique about that family or that child or that mom that they are able to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's the money. That's the information that we need to capitalize on. You know, we, we need to study those things. As like, well. That's right. Absolutely. As well. And mm-hmm. certainly not in isolation of some of those other, other areas that we talk about. Right. But doing one without the other is not telling the whole story, not painting the whole picture. Because there are far more families. There are, there are plenty of black families. Single-headed households that are thriving, that are doing wonderful and marvelous things. Right, right. And if you don't, In believe, every community actually—that's yeah. part of my point. In and e- it look, doesn't
0: matter where. Every community yeah. has people who are figuring it out.
1: And, and I say that. Look at the campuses of HBCUs, right? How did we didn't get here by osmosis? Mm-hmm. There's something resilient and beautiful and bold about us that why we can get to where we need to go. Right. And right. I encourage all researchers to not just focus on the deficit but to focus on the assets of communities. Exactly. Behold the bold. And we can replicate those. Things. Behold the
0: bold. That's what Ooh, maybe that's my new tagline. We're going to behold <laughs> the bold in in Hampton Roads. <laughs> so, for the program that you have, I mean, I mean, okay, little tip. So, I know I know that a lot of Norfolk state students are entrepreneurial. I mean, they they want to do things like this. They want right. to create programs, they want to solve problems. So, Tell us a little bit about how you get funding for this kind of thing, because that's usually a challenge.
1: So p- part of it, um, first of all, I beg from all of my friends and family. Um, <laughs> but there's also a lot of grants that are out there. And grantsmanship is a, cha- a task. Yes. And it's a skill. That's right. And so you have to tell the story about the need, right? You got to show that there is a need, that that's the niche. There's something here um uh, a gap to be filled right and so you have to have evidence that these things exist and then you have to demonstrate what what's going to be an advantage if you get funding to do this work how are people's lives going to change significantly we're not just counting beans that we serve 25 people during this year or a thousand people how have their lives have changed from the time that they you've encountered them to the time that they've gone through your program and that's the story that you have to be able to articulate both orally and, and in writing. And it's, and you got to let your passion come through because people want to give you money. People want to save lives right along with you. They just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And there's been, unfortunately, so many people that have not been good stewards of money. So they take funding. They say they're going to do a project. And then the project happens, or in theory, but there's no change, no evidence of change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of that is you have to involve communities in this. We call it community-based participatory research. Exactly. We can't do research on communities and for communities anymore. We must do research with communities. They need to be um, stakeholders in the conversation, helping you design the interventions, designing the research strategy what are the research questions that need to be asked how are we disseminating these findings because it's really about them and it, it it impacts them and so when we when you caution everyone when we're doing research that we don't do research that further marginalize or perpetuate stereotypical views about mm-hmm. the individual people who you are conducting research with so there's plenty of funding out that there. there's foundations um um if you are affiliated with an institution an educational institution then you can go after those national grants from you know the nasa the national institute of health or the national science foundation there's also in um, organizations and foundations like the robert wood johnson foundation the william t grant foundation annie casey foundation and then there's just some local private funders that have money hidden around that Mm -hmm. will give it to you Mm -hmm. if you can demonstrate that you're going to do good with it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think for a student I think sometimes,
0: oh my gosh, I can't get a grant. But your church might help fund you, your sorority or fraternity might help fund you, and if you start with something small, what we call a pilot project, for example, sort of proof of concept, as it were, where you go out and you do some of the things that you're talking about, and as you said, once you can show, okay, okay, they can get this done and there might be some upfront impact, then you're more likely to get larger funding. And if you happen to know, some famous people or (laughs) people like that. And I I laugh, but, you know, our connection with Pharrell, for example, has been amazing in part because he's drawing attention to issues that Norfolk State, that are part of Norfolk State's mission, for example, and that connection helps us to draw resources. So that's not a trivial thing, actually, to connect with people who might be more prominent or who have resources, who can help,
1: you know, raise your profile and help you to draw additional funding. Well, now that you mention that, that's partly, partly not that is that's totally how we get our project funded from New York City. We call it Operation Safe Block. And the artist Nasia Jones, near, known as Nas, he one hundred percent sponsors the program every year. That's amazing. Yeah,
0: and I think that's good too. Like, I mean, celebrities make money from us, so <laughs> I think it's great when mm-hmm. they invest in our community, in the communities that yeah. are supporting
1: them. And I, but I think the two we just mentioned, Nas and Pharrell, I think they have an authentic mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, intentions. So it's, it's 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 authentic. Like this gentleman, Nas never shows up with. You know, his chest pumped up, asking for it to thank me or anything. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. just says, "What do you need?" And he, and he provides and it. And he
0: shows up. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: And I, I think those are that's the the true service and right. given. where right, it's not right. connected to some publicity or right. or You're some not throwing
0: money at it from
1: afar. Right, right, that's, right. That's But great. the other thing you were mentioned too about getting funding is that um, sometimes you have to do the work <laughs> voluntarily. Right. You have to go out. If your heart is in the right place, you go and you do the work and you demonstrate um, the need. Right. And you demonstrate your sustainability and your ability to do the work and your commitment to the work. And in doing so, people are observing, people Mm -hmm. are watching, Mm -hmm. and then they are likely to give you money and to fund and support you or to point you in in the right direction to some folks who can offer you some funding. Exactly. And I'm always available if anybody is interested in just talking about, you know, how do we start little, little, you know, baby steps right. to develop larger programs. Right. Hello.
0: I hope y'all heard that. <laughs> so now that you said it, how can they get in touch with you? <laughs> so um, I have a, I have a generally, edri- uh, sorry, email address if you want. Yes. Okay. How about this? Send an email to publichealth at nsu.edu and say, I want to work with Dr. Austin, or I want to get some advice from Dr. Austin, and I'll make sure that she gets it. Sounds good to me. Awesome. So one of the, I do want to put in a little plug here. So Norfolk State. Um, in the context of helping to build a school of public health, a new cross-our-fingers school of public health that's going to happen with ODU and EVMS in this area, um, is building its, you know, formal public health programs. And so we're building an MPH degree program that will have a focus on health equity. And one of the required courses for that program will be community-based participatory research and community assessment. And Mm -hmm. I want to mention that because again, that's a fundamental tenet of public health but also of Norfolk State that you engage community as partners. And sometimes you might get your feelings hurt because they may say, wait a minute you're coming in here trying to ask this question and we really want to know about this. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that we're training professionals to be really good at that, to respect communities, to engage them as equal partners and also to make sure they have an ability or a way to give feedback and to participate at every stage Mm -hmm. of the research process yeah so we're very excited about that
1: that's awesome i I served as a a research fellow for the robert wood johnson interdisciplinary research fellows Mm -hmm. where we were two researchers and one community partner and um we were trained specifically in community-based participatory research because it is very easy for us as researchers to go in and take control over the, over the whole process and tell communities what we think that they should be doing exactly. when they know exactly what they need exactly. and, and can provide that information to us. Exactly. So that's super
0: exciting. So I did promise that you would have a chance to give some shout-outs. I think now would be a great time to do that.
1: So I just want to say a shout out to the Ethel R. Strong School of Social Work, to my dean, Dr. Isaiah Marshall, to all of the students who take my research methods class kicking and screaming that you do survive it. (laughs) And I look forward to seeing you all and to my hometown of New York City, Queensbridge Housing Development. So shout out to everybody. And Dr. Mevin, thank you for having me. It was awesome being here today.
0: Oh, you're quite welcome. And thank you so much. Again, I'm so respectful of the work that you're doing right in the middle of communities and tying to your passion which I think is so important and probably why you're so effective at it because it's tied to you as your authentic self so thank you so much for being a leader in our communities and also a leader in our research world and and because we need that we need your voice and we're very happy uh, that you're there So I also want to thank our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us here today for this important conversation about social determinants of health and all those factors that influence our health. Again, I am Dr. Felicia Mebbin, and this is Health Healing and Hampton Roads.